Hey, you're listening to Head Over Heels, a podcast where we have real, honest, and unfiltered conversations about life and everything else in between. And today's episode is so full of life. Now, before we get into it, I've got a little request for you. If you are going to be distracted while listening to this episode, I would say hold it, save it for when you actually have the time because I want you to really sit down and picture yourself sitting in a cafe or somewhere you feel safe while having a conversation with a 78-year-old grandpa because that's exactly what it is. I had the honor to sit down with Yusuf Hashim from retiring at 53 years old at the peak of his career at a multi-million company to now traveling around the world truly living life well, I managed to catch this very rare chip setter and have his share his life stories with us. So trust me, you have so much you have to digest from this episode. So take out your notebook and let's get right into it. Enjoy. Hey guys, welcome back to a brand new episode. We are coming close to the end of the season, but I cannot end the season without something great. So I hope today's episode is going to be that because I have someone who I really, really look up to and he is Yusuf Hashim. Hello, Hi, everybody. Yeah, such an honor to have you here, by the way. Thank you. Um, okay, so... I have so many questions, but I'm going to just start off with, do you remember how we met? Oh, that was maybe a decade ago. Okay, maybe not that far out. Maybe yeah. eight years, close to eight years. About that, yeah. I think you were you were the anchor for a for a Samsung uh, video that I was it a was judge a in photography competition. Photography competition. Yes, yes I was a judge, yes. and you and were you were the anchor, and you were doing the video for for Samsung that time. I think that's right. I was mm. hosting for the brand, and mm. uh, and you were one of the judges. And I remember you really left an impact an impression in me as well. Like until today, I still remember some of the things that you told me. And uh, then I realized there was one day, I think I stumbled upon your Facebook. We are friends on Facebook. So I follow your stuff from time to time. And I see how you travel around the world. Mm. And, you know, sometimes your post just puts a smile on my face. Like you have always been at the back of my head. And there was one day I was listening to this podcast by with Jane Fonda. Do you know Jane Fonda? Yes. Right? Yes. And she was on this podcast. And I realized, oh my gosh, I learned so much from that hour just listening to her stories. And she is someone who's living in her third act in life. And I thought, you know what? I want to do that for my podcast too. Like I want to talk to someone who has truly lived life. And you came to mind. So then I dropped you a message on Facebook. And I, I said yes. <laughs> yes. Thank you for saying yes, because I wasn't sure if you're going to say yes. I would have been okay even if you said no, I understand. But yeah, thank you for saying yes, for being here today with us. Yeah. Okay. That's how we met, okay? So Yusuf, could you tell us about your childhood? This is something that I ask all my guests, but I feel like for you, you have to go way mm. back in time. So That was a long time ago. I'm, <laughs> I'm 78 and I'm not ashamed to say that. In fact, I'm proud to say that. Love it. 15 grandkids, so childhood seems so far away. Yeah. But uh, I was born in Taiping and uh, oh. grew up in Kuala Kangsa, went to school in Kuala Kangsa to Form 3. And... Uh, in Form 3, there was a recruitment team from the Royal Military College. Uh, they came to, uh, to uh, find uh, people who'd like to join the military college. Right. So they had an uh, a assessment. I think 150 um, of my form mates uh, went for the interview. And uh, 
thank God, uh, I was the only one that was selected. Oh, <laughs> you have to be interviewed to enter yes, the military. Yes, that was the first uh, first level. The um, recruiters uh, come to all wow. the schools in Malaysia, and they um, they choose two or three or one from each school, and then after that they uh, take you to the camp in Sungai Bizi. And there you are interviewed together with all the representatives from the schools throughout Malaysia, maybe about 1,500, and they take about 26. So uh, thank God I was one of the 26. <laughs> what was life like in a military college? I think we lived by the bell. Everything was done by the bell. We uh, wake up on the bell. We go for breakfast on the bell. And then we go for lunch on the bell at 2 p.m. There was a bell to compel us to go to bed as a rest period. You know, 2 p.m. 2 p.m. And then at 3 p.m. there was another bell that woke us up to go and run down to the field for our you know sporting activities, uh, hockey, athletics, whatever you know you you like to do. And sometimes there were appeals for blood, and uh, on the way down to play your football or hockey or whatever, we stopped by the clinic, gave our blood, one pint, and then after that, go on to play basketball or volleyball, you, whatever it is. You, know. you don't get to say no or yes. You just uh, follow. No, I think uh, it was actually, in my mind, an honour to be able right. to uh, to contribute something from yourself to mm. help save another person's life. Yeah. So I'm proud to say that um, up to now, I've uh, given 32 times blood so I've never... I'm none the worse for it <laughs> <laughs> wow I love that mm. and at what point now I know you were also um, the CEO of Shell is that correct and uh, how long were you in Shell well immediately after military college yeah. um, you had a choice you can either go into military service right or you can um, go into university I got a scholarship um, actually I I, inter I applied to join MSA at that time, I don't think you remember, MSA was the precursor to MAS and SIA. So it was Malaysia, oh. Singapore Airlines. Oh. So I got a, um, accepted to be trained as a pilot. Wow. And then uh, on the verge of going to Perth in Scotland for training, uh, I also got a scholarship to join university. And my mother, bless her soul, uh, said to me, you know, why do you want to become a pilot? Do you not know that a pilot is nothing more than a bus driver in the air? <laughs> That's what my mother told me. So being the, you know, the fetal son, I said, okay, okay. I will, you know, follow your wishes wanting me to go to university. Mm. And she says, you can fly after you've got a degree. Okay. So I went to university to uh, MU. And, mm -hmm. uh, I graduated with an economics degree. And uh, I joined Shell and... Uh, when I was posted to Kuantan as the area manager, I started the Kuantan Flying Club. Wow. And we got the uh, Air Force pilots to teach us and I was the first uh, student that got my pilot's wings uh, from my club that I started. You <laughs> so, got to do it anyway at the end of the day. Yeah, so I became a pilot. I'm still a pilot, a private pilot and uh, I fly for fun occasionally. You still do today? Uh, yes, I do, but uh, not oh. as much. Um, these days, it's more parasailing, paramotoring, para you know. That's a bit better than, or a bit more exciting than just flying a plane. Mm, <laughs> well, I didn't know you were a pilot as well, you said. Oh, yeah. <laughs> wow, okay. So, tell us about 
your life after university? I know you're such an advocate for early retirement, right? So how does one prepare for that? Because you retired at the age of 53, and right. that was 1999. Did 20, I get it correct? 23 years ago. Oh, and wow. the last 23 years have been the best years of my life. So after retirement was the best That's years right. of your life. So I didn't retire, actually. Uh, I worked in Shell for 30 years. Uh, I quit in 1999 right. at uh, age 53, at the peak of my career, I was uh, yeah. uh, managing director of Shell Chemicals and I was uh, retail market director for Shell Oil downstream. I was also uh, retail uh, market entry director for Shell Indonesia. And before that, I was working in London and Rotterdam uh, mm. for Shell Chemicals. So uh, I decided to quit in uh, 1999 uh, because... Uh, of several reasons, and I think um, this is uh, this is something I would like to share with um, all our listeners out there. That uh, you know, you uh, you uh, ought to make the work stage of your life to be as short as possible. There are three three phases in life. You know, there is the education phase, mm -hmm. which takes about twenty three years before you can get a degree, and then you have the work phase of life. Um, if you retire as normal at age 65 uh, because the average lifespan of a Malaysian mm -hmm. is 76. That leaves you with uh, 11 years of retirement. Mm. So at 65, your body starts to shut down. You know, your knees are gone and uh, you've got aches here and there and you might have... In fact, many of my friends have uh, passed on before the age of 65. So I figured that if I, uh, I retired at 65, uh, then uh, the 11 years, because 65 plus, plus 11 is 76, that you have left. It's not retirement. It's actually a waiting to die period. Mm. Seriously, because um, your body is gone. You, know, you, 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 uh, you can't climb mountains. And I stopped working. I chose to stop working at 53, because uh, I had things I wanted to do. You know, I had, um, I had um, um, places I wanted to, to visit. I uh, had a bucket list I wanted to take. So if I waited at 65, I wouldn't have been able to do all that. Um, but uh, in order to be able to stop working at uh, 53, yeah. um, you have to prepare for it. So... Um, what you need to do during the work phase of your life is basically, apart from, from you know, earning a salary and all that, uh, you need to create a retirement investment portfolio that will generate a passive income flow of at least 75% of your salary. Current salary. Of your yeah. last drawn salary or okay. salary at the time that you, you, know, that you decide to retire. So once you have that, uh, you should stop working, because because at the, when when you when you stop working, you ought to have finished uh, all your debts. You shouldn't have any debts, so you don't need a hundred percent. The salary that you you have, you don't need that kind of income every every month. So if you have seventy five and your kids are all grown and gone, then you can quite safely retire. So. I retired in uh, when I was uh, 53 because the year before that, my last daughter graduated. 
So um, I had no debts. All the mortgage uh, for the house and all that um, were already settled. And um, I had a passive income flow that was more than 80% of my salary. So you need to, uh, during the work phase of your life, you need to, you need to postpone consumption. You need to save to accumulate capital uh, so that with, uh, with capital you can then invest. And investment can then yield a certain flow of income. So try to make um, uh, your objective to create a passive flow of income uh, that is equivalent to at least about 75% of your Right. Of your of your salary, then you can, you can uh, you know you can uh, stop working. Uh, the other thing is um, for you young young people out there. Yes, us. Because it takes twenty three years to uh, put a child through uh, to university mm-hmm. before you graduate. Mm-hmm. So imagine um, if you have a child at the age of forty. Yeah, if um, if you marry a man that has uh, that is age forty, yeah. and you have your first child. When he's forty, so at twenty-three, it'll be sixty-three. Oh my gosh! So supposing you have because you are young and he's forty, and uh, at thirty you have uh, another child and he's fifty, then the last child will be, uh, you know, fifty plus twenty-three is seventy-three. Yeah. So the lesson is: get married early, have your children early, finish your family (laughs) obligations early. Then you can stop working and enjoy life. Right. You okay? so. So that's lesson number one. Oh my gosh. Okay. Do you have lesson number two? Uh, I have uh, a few. <laughs> please go ahead. I, I do not want to interrupt. Go ahead. No, no, it's, it's okay. So, so the, uh, the objective of, um, of your work phase of life, the objective, the, the, the thing you ought to be doing there is to try and shorten the, the work, work phase, phase of life. So if you have 76 years, 23 years, which is about what? 23 over... 76, maybe about 30% of your life is spent on getting an education. Mm. But if you spend um, 42 years of your life, because if you retire at 65, that'll be 42 years, uh, that'll be about, you know, 50 odd percent of your life uh, working, (laughs) which means 11 years for retirement, that's about 15%. So the, the aim should be to shorten the work phase and lengthen the, um, the re- I wouldn't say the, uh, the the retirement phase. I would say the fun phase of life. Oh, see, you have two lives, you know. Do we? Yes, you have two lives, but your second life will only begin when you realize you have just one life. <gasps> you have two lives. Your second life will begin only when you realize you have just one life. I have. But, so uh, you know, many people, you know, millionaires, billionaires, and uh, uh, the self-employed doctors, lawyers, what, uh, what they do is that they, they work, and they work, and they work, and they never retire. Yes, I, I hear that a lot. Okay, billionaires never retire. Yeah, why? Millionaires never retire because, because of this thing that human beings have, you know, um, Human beings have this thing called desire. Uh, you think you work, you make money, and then you think you have a lot of money, you find, uh, you find happiness, and you think when you have happiness, you find tranquility. We think, eh? You think, yeah. but it will never happen because 
uh, if you're, a, you're an animal or a snake, it swallows a, a pig. And then when it's full, it goes to sleep. And when it's hungry, it wakes up again and it swallows a pig again. And then it goes to sleep again. But a human being, uh, you earn your first million, yep. uh, you will never stop because you want another million. That when you have two, you want four. That is when you, want, you have four, you want 20. When you have 20, you want 100. When you are a billionaire, you want to be a multi-billionaire. So that's why um, people who are self-employed, people who are professionals like lawyers, doctors, and so on, they will work until either their health or death stops them. So my message for such people mm. is, uh, you know, spend your money. Because your money is not your money until you spend it. Hey! <laughs> okay, look, look, look. Wow. La last week, uh, not last week, last, a couple of months ago, my, my billionaire friend mm. uh, died. Um, oh. I wouldn't mention his name, but he had about two billion in the bank uh, because he was the one who built, um, who built Westport. Okay. Uh, that money is not his money because, because when he died, he left behind two billion. And he never spent it. What was no, he, he doing? Spent, throughout? But okay. that money wasn't his. Yeah, that's true. It never was his. In name, it was his. Yeah. Um, the uh, the uh, owner or half owner of Public Bank uh, had forty two billion <laughs> worth of assets. You know, when he died at age eighty five, that money wasn't his money. So why do you want to earn so much money? Because uh, if uh, if uh, the chairman of or the owner of public bank had 42 billion and he spends a, a million a day starting from 1st of January, 365 days later, uh, he would have spent 365 million. Yeah. But his money would have grown to more than cover the 1 million that he had. You're right. He spent. You know? You're absolutely so right. So why do you need so much money? So how much money do we need? Okay. Look at it this way. If you spend a thousand ringgit a day, I mean, we don't talk in millions. Eh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. One year, yeah. you will spend 365,000. Yes. So if you have one million, you can spend a thousand a day yeah. for three years. Yeah. Yeah. So. While what, also what, earning what, money at the yeah, same time. Yeah. So, so you don't need so much. So if you spend only 500 a day, that doubles to six years. So if you have a million, you can live six years spending 500 a day. I'm, but then again, this is at what point? Because earlier on, you mentioned that, you know, while you're working, especially in your early years of your work, work days, your work season, your work life, you should start having or investing in your retirement yeah. plan. So yes. how, how do we strike that balance, especially for us youngsters? Okay. Um, for a start, you should stop conspicuous consumption. Define that. Uh, cause, um, conspicuous consumption is drinking uh, <laughs> high bucks coffee at 17 <laughs> ringgit a cup, uh, buying Gucci handbags and, uh, you know, and um, branded uh, clothes and so on. Yeah. Uh -huh. So imagine you drink two cups of high bucks high coffee, bucks. <laughs> high bucks coffee at 17 ringgit per cup. And then you multiply by two because you drink two a yeah. week. That's 34. And there are 52 weeks a year? Yeah. Okay, 52 multiplied by 34, uh, by, by, by two, uh, you'll get 108, okay. 104 cups. Okay. Multiplied by 17 ringgit per cup, 
That'll give you what, 1,768, I think. Uh, or thereabouts. Yeah. Okay. Now, the power of compounding. Yeah. If you take that 1,768 mm. and you invest mm. and you get a return of 20% a year, and the next year you compound it and you compound it again. I've done the calculations. You can pull out the Excel spreadsheet and do it. So 1768 ringgit, which is the cost of 104 cups of high bucks coffee, okay, uh, compounded at 20% per year for 30 years will mm. yield an amount of money equivalent to 490 thousand ringgit. So next time you drink a cup of high bucks coffee, <laughs> yeah, I love the this. present value of that cup oh, is wow. 490,000 divided by 104. It's 4,090 ringgit per cup. So next time you drink, lick <laughs> every drop. Because it's 4,000. Yeah. It's f the present value of that cup is 4,000. Present value. Wow, I never thought about it that way. Okay, now I'll give you another example. Sure. To show you what it, what it means to, uh, to, to, to know how to invest. When I retired, when I retired, oh, sorry, I didn't retire, I quit. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Yes, you quit. When, when I quit, um, December 1999, uh, you know, um, Apple stocks on Nasdaq yeah. was about 87 cents. If you had invested that 1768 uh, ringgit that you saved from not drinking high bucks coffee for one year, you could have bought uh, 87 cents divided by... Uh, oh, by the way, at that time, I think uh, the Malaysian ringgit was pegged to the US dollar at 3.8. No way. So you would have got about 530-odd um, mm -hmm. apples, apple stocks. So... Because of splits and bonuses and so on, uh, last week, the price of Apple was 175 US dollars. But your 500-odd shares of Apple mm -hmm. would have expanded because of splits and bonuses and all that to about maybe, I think about 50,000, 60,000 yeah. shares. Now, multiply 50,000 shares of Apple today or yesterday, by 175 US dollars, by 4.75, you would have got 50 million ringgit. Guys, guys, <laughs> no so, way. So, why are you drinking high bucks coffee? <laughs> yeah. Wow, Yusuf, you have, you have given us so much to think about, honestly. But how early, like, I want to know, how early did you start start preparing for your um, the day you quit how early on all the time because all the uh, time. I was uh, I, uh, my major is economics yeah? Yeah. so uh, for example um, if you had bought uh, a shop house in uh, USJ for example okay 20 30 years ago yeah, when I bought one wow. <laughs> <laughs> it was about 800,000 you know yeah so it was a four-story shop house in USJ. So today, that would be worth about seven million. No way. Yes. No way. And, Come on. And the rental for a four-story shop house in USJ is 30,000. So if you had bought 
that shop house at 800000 Today, you'd have an income of passive income. Passive income. That's just one shop house. You know what? That's that's the question that a lot of people are asking me because I did put up a question poll yesterday. Like, yeah. how are you affording the lifestyle you have today without working? So now we know. Now we know. Guys, stop buying your okay. high bucks and good chow. Okay. <laughs> I said, I said um, 1768, which was the cost of, uh, the, high. of the high bucks coffee. <laughs> Supposing you hadn't bought your, your Prodoa Kanchil, Okay. 35,000 ringgit in December 1999 when I stopped working and you invested that into Apple shares, mm -hmm. you would have got about uh, 10,500 something Apple shares wow. at 87 cents. Then, at the same rate of um, multiplication or expanding of the number of shares by stock splits and so on, yeah. uh, this week, you would have had... Uh, nearly one point something million uh, shares of Apple, you multiply that by $175 times 4.75. Take a guess, how much? My math is so be? bad. I, I cannot will tell you. Yes, please tell 980 me. 980 million. Just 200, uh, 20 million, uh, 200 million short of being a billionaire. So, mm. where have you been all your life? <laughs> Busy working. No, drinking Starbucks, high bucks <laughs> coffee. <laughs> From, yeah, okay. We so today, today, uh, you see, today, if you look around, uh, yeah. what would you want to invest in that would yield you an income when you retire or you stop working yes, in 20 odd years? Look around you. Look around me. Yeah. What is uh, on the horizon today that is likely to, re to be another Apple? Uh, Electric cars. Yes. What powers electric cars? From batteries. Right. So, why aren't you investing in the manufacturers of batteries? <gasps> Guys. Better still, in another way, why not invest in the miners who mine lithium or nickel, which, are, which is the stuff that, that, battery, yeah, that batteries are made of? Do yeah. you know that in Australia today, these days, there is a big battle among companies yeah. trying to buy up the biggest uh, miner of nickel in Australia. Mm. So why don't you join in? I will start doing my research after today, for sure. But thank you for that very, very valuable I think, I think insight. I think you need another, another bit of advice. Um, yes, we do. Spend a couple of thousand dollars in uh, a ringgit and enroll yourself into a value investment course. Course, like yeah. a course, okay. Uh, four or five days, you know, there's some people doing these courses that will teach you how to invest, uh, what to look for and how to, uh, how to identify mm. stocks that have a good potential of uh, becoming, uh, you know, uh, stars. Yeah. Uh, they will teach you uh, how to invest on Nasdaq mm. instead of Bursa. Don't invest in Bursa. Mm. The local stock exchange, a um, lot of crooks in there. That's one. Number two is that the free float of shares on our Malaysian stock market is so small and there's a big amount out there being manipulated by the owners of the company. So most of us who buy stocks on uh, Malaysian Stock Exchange are the minority yep. stock, stock, uh, stockholders. You know? So these people are manipulating the thing. The bottom line is if you compare the growth uh, of the Malaysian stock market to Nasdaq, you'll find the Malaysian stock market is like that yeah. and uh, Nasdaq is like that. Yeah. 
So don't put your money in in in, in bursa. Put your money in Nasdaq. So, but you need to learn how to invest overseas. Uh, these courses will teach you. We were we were um, lucky because um, Shell is a very human um, uh, centered organization. Those days, not anymore. They uh, about five to ten years before you retire, mm. they put you through a retirement course to prepare you. What retirement? For retirement to tell you or to guide you on how to how to uh, manage your money and how mm. to invest and so on. You know. So um, since you, your company will not put you to, to such a mm-hmm. such, such a course, so I'd advise you to go and enroll yourself into mm. a value investment course mm-hmm. that teaches you how to identify shares yeah. that has a potential of yeah. of uh, of growing over time and. Um, what to look for okay and then they would tell you who are the stockbrokers in uh, in in Kuala Lumpur who can help you invest in Nasdaq or the Shanghai Stock Exchange or yeah. Tokyo Stock Exchange or yeah anything except listen bursa got it wow so many nuggets of wisdom that i think i may need to go back and re-listen to this episode and I take my notes but yusuf you're also you a jib setter? You call yourself a jib setter? Could, could you like explain to me what that means? Jib um, setter is a portmanteau word. Portmanteau is a French word. Ah. Um, those days, uh, we had leather bags that were in two parts. You know, that mm-hmm. you, that you, you clean, put them together. So there are two parts. So portmanteau, a, a portmanteau word is a word that is made up of two words. For example, Brexit. Right. Britain and exit. Yes. It's a portmanteau word. Mm. Brunch. Brunch, Breakfast yeah. and lunch. Yes. So, gypsetter is a portmanteau word um, that comprises the word gypsy plus jet setter. Ah. So, a gypsetter is someone who, um, who, is, uh, who likes the nomadic life of the gypsy, mm-hmm. that he will be very comfortable living like a gypsy or visiting places where mm-hmm. nobody else goes and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, going onto the fringes of civilization. Uh, but at the same time, he will be equally at home, uh, like a jet setter, yeah. dining in six-star um, hotels and uh, five-star Michelin yeah. restaurants. <laughs> so the combination is, uh, you know, is somebody who can, a gypsy setter is somebody who, who likes... Um, the nomadic kind of life. But uh, also. He likes to um, experience new things. He likes to travel. He has got no ties to anything, mm. you know. And uh, he can live a luxurious life and he'll be equally at home at the Ritz or the Carlton or, you know, in in uh, London. And uh, he can also be at home in a hut made of uh, cow dung yeah. in the underbelly of Ethiopia. So that's what a gypsetter is. I love that. And as of today, you've traveled to more than 150 countries around the world. Is that correct? Uh, or have s- slightly correct. Slightly correct. So what is the correct number? I've driven. You've driven. To more than 100 countries around the world. What? Wait a second. Okay, what? How? Well, well, I've driven from London to Malaysia a couple of times. Huh? How I've long dri- did that take? About three months each time. 
Wow, whoa, 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 whoa. I've, I've, I mean, I've, I've not, not heard of anyone driving from London to Malaysia. Okay, I've driven from Istanbul to Kuala Lumpur Come maybe three times. <gasps> One weekend, we were having coffee, Mama shop, 50 cents a cup, not 17 ringgit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we were having coffee and then my friend uh, uh, said, uh, hey, Let's go and drive to India. So I said, when? He says, let's go next week. So we tried to make it next week. But there were things that needed to be done. We had to re repair our cars. And all that. So a month later, we drove to India. And how long did that take? Oh, about 45 days. Okay, could you give us? Well, you, sure. go, you get into your car and then you drive from here. You cross the border at Bukit Kayu Itam. You okay. cross Thailand into a place called Mojang, which is uh, on the, uh, not, not Mojang, Vientiane, which is on the border between Thailand and Laos. And then from Laos, you drive across Laos to Mojang, which is on the border between China and Laos. And from there, you follow the, um, the uh, Yangtze River Valley and you go into the Himalayas and you go over the Himalayas in Tibet. You come down to Nepal. And then from Nepal, you come down to Delhi, any Buddhist here? I mean, uh, then you visit the uh, birthplace of Buddha at yeah. Lumbini. And then oh. from there, you come down to Bombay, Goa, and you cross the Indian Peninsula. And at Chennai, you ship your car back to Poklang. Okay, you don't drive back. You, no, you, no, because... No way. That was, yeah, you, so yeah. you ship it back. Yeah. Okay, fair, fine. Then, wow. Then after that, uh, you know... Um, <laughs> After that, uh, somebody said, hey, let's go and drive uh, around South America. So, okay, we shipped our car to Buenos Aires and we drove from Buenos Aires to Buenos Aires clockwise. <sighs> Took us about yeah, 90 to 100 days. You drove to more than 100 countries. So from Buenos Aires, you cross into Uruguay, Uruguay into Brazil, <laughs> Brazil into Paraguay, Paraguay into Bolivia, Bolivia you go into uh, Peru, Peru you go into Chile, Chile you go up north to <laughs> Colombia, Colombia into Venezuela, Venezuela you come down again along the Andes into Argentina, Patagonia, you reach Ushawia, in Terra del Figo, you come up again <laughs> and you come into Buenos Aires from the south. Wow, I mean, okay, if you could pick maybe your top two, I'm, I'm quite sure it's hard to pick your top favourite. What's your top favourite destination you've ever been or your travel I think there is uh, there is no favorite. I think everyone is different. Mm. If 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 you say uh, what is what is the common thing among all these places that you travel, you know, I think uh, travel changes you. Travel travel broadens your mind. You know, you travel and you come back. You're a changed person because when you travel, you you meet people. You meet Many different kind of people, many many, many uh, uh, people of different skin color. They worship different gods. Yeah. They speak different language. Um, some wear clothes, some don't. Uh, you know, um, you will discover. You will discover that all these people uh, that appear different from you speak different languages and different skin colors. They actually have the same things that you and I want. You know. Which what's is? that? Which is, they want food, enough food to eat. They want clean water to drink. They want um, uh, a safe place to stay. Uh, 
they want a better future for their children. They want happiness. Uh, they want respect. Uh, they want love. Mm -hmm. And they want to be loved. Mm. Exactly like what you and I want, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. So then why do you think you're different? We're See? not any different then. Yeah. You are all the same. You know, even though your skin is different, you speak different language, and some wear clothes, some don't wear clothes. You know, some, some of the houses with cow dung and, and so on. You're all the same. You yeah. are human beings. You know, yeah. you have the same needs and wants and you want love, you want happiness. But yet, there is so much, uh, you know, prejudice and bigotry in the world. Yeah. Uh, if you travel and you see all this, then you come home you say, my God, I'm exactly the same as that guy over there, you know. And uh, his life uh, is so much different from mine, but he wants exactly the same thing. You know, and then you're thankful for what you have, because when you see uh, the conditions under which they live, and they're happy, yeah, they're happy and they're safe. So here you are with air conditioning and you know and uh, bottled water and high bus coffee and all that. <laughs> you know, you are exactly the same. Yeah. So this is something that uh, that I thought would impact upon everybody if only they will travel. You know. It will remove all the prejudice, the bigotry inside you and every person. You yeah. know, doesn't matter who and what they are. They are the same as you. Yeah, I love that. And I think I could definitely resonate because I, I went on my very first solo trip this year in my life. And you're right, it changed my life forever. And I've been talking a lot about this whole solo traveling, right? And I realized actually a lot of people are so scared to travel solo. What would you say to these youngsters who are scared to travel alone? Um, uh, first of all, you must get uh, you must get uh, into your mind that deaths can come anytime. Yeah? Uh, driving back home from from this interview, who knows? You know, you might go. So the only thing that I'm I'm uh, I'm praying for is that I don't I don't I don't fear death. It can happen anywhere. The only thing I'm I'm praying for is that when I die, it will not be a painful death. <laughs> but otherwise, uh, you know, you you will go one day. So why are you so afraid? Mm. You go, go and travel. But traveling solo, I um, I would not want to do that because oh. uh, I, I tried initially. I, I did try. You know, right at this moment, uh, traveling solo, you need a different kind of mentality. At this point in time, my friend is on a solo trip around the world, uh, sailing a tiny boat. He's, I think yesterday. Like right now. Right now, right yes. Now. Today, uh, right now, he's off the uh, coast of South Africa. Okay. Where he will stop and he will park the boat there and then he'll fly home and rest for a bit. And then he'll go again. He's alone. You need some kind of uh, nut to be able to, to do that. I'm a nut then. Um, no. <laughs> But if you are traveling with friends, and right yeah. at this moment, my friends Thomas Fu and uh, uh, Mohamed Asse and about 15 other of them uh, yeah. are on their way from, from here mm -hmm. to Tibet uh -huh. in uh, a convoy of about uh, 12 cars, yeah. about two or three people mm -hmm. in the car, and they stop everywhere and uh, take pictures and eat the different foods and all that. So... I think that is more fun. Mm. When I've driven across the Sahara Desert, by the way, I've driven from Cape Town to Cairo, Cairo across the Sahara Desert to Casablanca. So if you want to cross the Sahara Desert, you don't want to do it 
alone. Because if yeah. something happens, yeah. your car breaks down, as that happened to me, mm. you know, our cars want not break down. We arrange for fuel to be airlifted to a place in the middle of the Sahara. When we reach there by by using GPS, uh, the fuel was stolen. Oh my God. So what we do was we just took out whatever fuel was in all the other cars. We put it into two cars and we kept in the middle of the desert for three days because the nearest town was about 1,800 kilometers away. Yeah. Then those two cars went out and brought back six drums so that we can continue on our way. So imagine if you're traveling solo. Of course, I think I guess that's a bit of an extreme to go Sahara Desert by yourself. Like I probably wouldn't do that, but I get where you're coming from. But there are people who've really been there. right at this moment. There's another Malay lady um, who's uh, driving, who's riding a bike solo. To last I heard, she was somewhere in Turkmenistan or something. Wow! Wow! So, so like Yusuf, like for yourself, you don't enjoy solo travel. Uh. It's compared to so, solo, meaning uh, there, there are two definitions of solo. Solo okay. is when you go alone. Okay. Uh, solo is when you go without your partner or your wife, you know? Right. Uh, my wife joins me uh, when, whenever she can. Yes. Uh, in those adventures which are not so extreme, which are not so physical, because yeah. uh, like if you want to climb or hike or trek to the uh, Everest Base Camp, yes. or the Annapurna Base Camp, or the Mount Fizra Base Camp, or to Kilimanjaro Base Camp, mm -hmm. or if you want to climb up Africa's most active volcano, okay. which is Erta Ale, those kind of things, maybe she will not be able to do it. Yeah. So those kind of things, you just go with the men. Right. Uh, but three weeks from today, she's joining me to sail to Antarctica yes. for the fourth time for her and for the seventh time for me. Amazing. Can you please tell us a little bit about that? I, I've never been to that part of the world and you've been there, what, seven times? Give or take. <laughs> Give or take, sure. Like I've never been to one time. So tell us, what is it like to travel to Antarctica? Like how do you even get there? I, I know where it is on the, on the globe, well, but I don't know how to get there. You fly to uh, Ushawia, which is at the southernmost tip of uh, South America in Terra del Fugo. Mm. And from there, you bought the ship and you cross the Drake Passage, which is the world's most vicious uh, sea. Sometimes waves can go up to 20, 30 meters. Uh, and wow. then once you get to the Antarctica Peninsula, which is the tip of uh, Antarctica, then you'll be sailing quite close to the coast. Yes. And the southern Shetland Islands, which is a row of islands, will protect you from the rough sea. So when you're there, you're sailing along the coast and uh, you stop the ship or anywhere that you want to go, every day in fact, and then you take the Zodiac, which is one of those inflatable boats, and you go ashore and then you go trekking and then you go and see penguins, you go and see the different kind of birds, you go and see um, the landscape, and you hike up icy mountains and um, you can then camp on the ice if you like. Have you seen a polar bear? Uh, polar bear, by the way, is not in Antarctica. Oh, sorry. There are, there are no polar bears in, in Antarctica. They only occur in, uh, they can only be found in the Arctic. And uh, there are no penguins in the Arctic. Oh. Penguins can only be found in Antarctica. See, I didn't know that. So much more to learn. If you want to go to polar bear, then you have to take a, a, two many ways of doing that. One of the ways is to charter a 
small ship. With 10 friends, I uh, chartered a 100-year-old uh, wooden sailing boat and we sailed to uh, Greenland to go and look for polar bears. Wow! Then uh, when my wife wanted to come, then I arranged for another boat, a uh, Bargantin sailing boat. They can take about 20 people. We sailed from Svalbard uh, around the island towards the North Pole and uh, we got stopped by pack ice about uh, 900 kilometers from the North Pole. Yeah. But along the way, you can see polar bears. Polar bears hunt for seals, yes. which is their um, favorite prey or yes. the only prey uh, on the floating ice you know yeah so um, 47 yes we celebrated my wife and i our 47th wedding anniversary on a piece of floating ice <gasps> at 82 degrees north <sighs> i love that so uh, we were there taking pictures and all that you know, what 15 or 20 other friends there as well and suddenly the captain rang the horn and said asked us to hurry up, come on board. <laughs> Why? Because uh, polar bear was coming and he thought we were his lunch. You know? Oh my God! <laughs> that would have been, yeah, that would have been bad, like disastrous. Yeah, so we went up. So then um, I think last uh, three years ago, just before COVID, uh, we celebrated our golden wedding anniversary. Uh, Which is? On, on the ship uh, okay. while crossing Drake Passage. So my friends and the crew, yeah, ship put up a nice dinner with all this singing and all that but my dear wife uh, was flat up on the bed <laughs> with seasickness oh, no. so, so we celebrated our 50th or golden wedding anniversary wow on uh, Drake Passage and I, she was flat up <laughs> I would love to kind of dive into your relationship for a bit if you don't mind sharing yeah, sure. I think 50 years married for 50 years 53 53 oh wow okay and that's this year will be 54 amazing and we'll be celebrating our 54th in, anniversary in Antarctica happy anniversary because I will go there on the 14th of December happy anniversary um, what is the secret to being married happily married for 54 years I don't know. I think uh, something to do with my wife. <laughs> I don't know how it happened. <laughs> but I'm, glad, I'm glad I lasted or we lasted, you know, so, so long. And I have no secrets. I think uh, mm. marriage is a partnership. I think uh, modern marriages, uh, it's so unfortunate that both uh, husband and wife works. Because when, I think in the overall scheme of things, uh, when you get married, um, Somebody has got to go out there and get make get the, the food and make you know, the bread. Yeah, make, get the bread. Uh, somebody has got to uh, you know uh, raise the children, mm. raise them into proper kids with proper values, you know, proper moral morality and whatnot. You know? So uh, you need that, and mm. I think modern marriages break because uh, of this. Uh, of this, both both sides, uh, man and the woman, wants to work, and they they have kids, and the kids they either get a maid or they put it into a daycare place. Uh, that's why your kids are being raised on uh, you know on a, a smart smartphone, iPad. watching iPad and cartoons and all that. Um, so I I was lucky that when uh, we got married. Uh, said or we agreed 
that your place is to look after the home and you know and also at Shell we were posted all over the place you know I was transferred all over the place and even to UK and all that so we need to have somebody in the house to look after the kids and make sure that they grow up well balanced you know so I, I think that's one secret um, but then again that is there is a downside there because uh, you know it takes 23 years uh, for a child to grow up so um your life if you um, this is some of the things that I speak about on my freaking uh, <laughs> talks uh, you know yeah. uh, all over the place uh, life is a series of passages you know that uh, in your 40s uh, which I call the fall on 40s or the roaring 40s women who give up their career to have children when they're age 40, and let's say they have a child at age uh, 20 when they get married, women about 20, 22, 23, they get married. So 23 years plus, plus 20 is 43. Yeah. So at 43, your child will be out or at 20 to go to university and all that. So if you have given up your life to look after the child and you're at home, in your 40s, you'll get what I would call a midlife crisis, you know, a crisis of value. You know, you reassess yourself. Now that the kids have gone, then you suffer what I call the empty nest syndrome. Mm -hmm. You know, you're, you're, we have a, a huge house with seven rooms, one each for the kids. And today, it's empty. You know? your, your house, you yeah. mean? Okay. So, it's okay. What I did was... We knocked down the walls on three rooms and turned it into one huge room for ourselves. You know? <laughs> I so, love it. <laughs> so I have a, a, a study, you yeah. know, and uh, we've got a living room upstairs. Yeah. And so now the uh, you know three rooms have been converted into one. Yeah. But there are still another four rooms there, which uh, you know, my wife likes to keep it as it was, so that oh. just in case when they come back. Yeah, kids holidays. come back, but they never do, you know. <laughs> <laughs> because, you know, when you have your own kids, you know, they've yeah. got school, uh, weekends they've got activities, yeah. you know, so they yeah. come and they, they no longer yeah. sleep over. I think it's so refreshing because I think all of the guests that have been on the on Head of Heels have not lived the life that you lived. Like, your oldest son is how old again? Fif uh, 53. Exactly, and the youngest is in his fourth. Farah, it, Farah of, is in, uh, 43. In her 40s. Like, so, I, no, that, that's the other lesson. No? Finish your childbearing adventures yeah. uh, as early as possible. So get married early, finish your child, 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 uh, you know, child rearing or yeah. getting your children as early as possible. Yeah. So that after 23 years, yeah. then you no longer have to bother about them. I love that in theory. But in today's... Yeah era, like the kids these days, okay, we call it. You know, there's this thing called the hookup culture, situationships, and people, you know, get out of relationships, get out of marriages so early in their relationships. And I don't think I know anyone who's been married for 50 plus years apart from you right now. So when I think, when I listen to what you said, I'm like, oh my gosh, I feel like I have to rush. So what's your take on that for like youngsters today who are not planning to get married early? Because I don't think we well, are that generation who you, are doing you, something You have different. a choice. You, know, you make your own choice and um, you do what you think is best for yourself. But um, if you look at life, you know, 
you can you can divide your life if the average lifespan of uh, Malaysian is 76. Okay. So you have seven decades of life. Yeah. So you might not realize it, but mm -hmm. every decade of your life is actually quite quite uh, similar to the decade of life of the same age, of the same decade of another person. There are many characteristics which are very, very similar, you know. So for example, if you are if you're in the, in your in your first 10, 20 years of life, you know, yeah. you're you're being brainwashed, whether you realize it or not. Okay. You are being brainwashed by pa your parents, by your chegu, by your teachers, by your priest, uh, to uh, to accept society's values, society's uh, rules of what is right, what is wrong. Uh, they are trying to turn you into a self-regulating adult, because when you achieve puberty, uh, what happens is that your 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 you begin to discover that within you, your, 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 yourself, you have something that want to do things, but always being prevented to do it because of external constraints. In other words, you have you want something, but you can't have it because law or the society or rule says that you can't have it. Hmm? For example, that that's the animal in instinct in you, you know. Mm -hmm. Because an animal sees something that he wants to eat, he just takes it. Mm. Yeah. So you have that. Uh, you have that primeval uh, quality in you. Yeah. So during the first twenty years of your life, you go to school and you know you attend classes and your parents tell you right from wrong. Um, they are trying to turn you into a self-regulating adult. Yeah. Not only that, they are also trying to train you to become a self-supporting adult. Mm. So that when you graduate at age 23, uh, you are now free. In your adolescence and in your teenage years, you have to ask for permission to do anything, you know, because your parents are looking after you. But after you get a job, after you graduate, you get a job, you're on your own. Yeah. Uh, you're free to do whatever you like. There is nobody to tell you not to come back at 3 o'clock or not come back at all. So many people in their 20s, uh, I call it, you're trying 20s. You try everything. You try uh, tattoos on your face and rings on your in your thing, on your eyebrow and <laughs> that kind of thing. You sometimes develop, uh, you try even bad things like drugs, you know. Yeah. You try everything. And women normally, uh, you're trying to look for a protector to replace daddy, you know. Daddy issues. Yeah, and everybody else is trying to find a partner, a companion for life. Yeah. So you get married. But then, in your thirties, um, in your thirties, uh, you will find sometimes that you know the seven-year itch starts, and, uh, and 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 you might get divorced, and you might become a single parent, and you have yeah. kids in school. Yeah. So your thirties, I call your turbulent thirties, because the choices that you make in your twenties come back to haunt you in your thirties. And when you get a job in your twenties, you think by thirty, I'm going to be a millionaire, I'm going to be a general manager or chairman yeah. or president or whatever. But sadly, the reality is that by 30, you are not, you know. If your career is going upwards, then it's okay. But many of us are not all that. You know, that there's always the probability that some like that, some there, and some like that, you see. Mm -hmm. So then you enter your 40s, you know. If, you're, if you're, what you did in your 30s and your 20s um, are good, you know, your career is progressing like that, 
then you uh, you get into what I call the roaring forties, you know, because mm. you're 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 progressing upwards. Yeah. But those who are not, uh, it's the forlorn forties, you know, because yeah. you you accept that you're not managerial material, you know. Yeah. Then you get get into your fifties. Uh, but another, another thing, your forties again, as I said, for women, it's the yeah. It's the, uh, the hormonal changes, you know, the beginning of menopause. Yes, and all that's that, true. Uh, that impacts upon your your behavior, your value, your your your, your views of life. Mm-hmm. And again, your children are leaving home, you know. Yeah. So be prepared to encounter something called your existential crisis. Yeah. You then begin to ask yourself at forty five, I have now raised all these children; they're all gone and. What am I? I gave up my job, you know. Now I do nothing at home. Am I valuable, you know? So you will get that kind of crisis in your forties if you give give up your job yeah. to become a homemaker. Yeah. Then you get into your fifties. Your fifties, um, you either get into what I call your refresh fifties, or you know you accept whatever you are, you know. So in your fifties and then your sixties you become to what I call your serene 60s. Mm. You know, serene 60s meaning uh, you accept. Mm. Uh, Whatever it life is, it is. Uh, it is what it is. Yeah. It's, your, it's, your, yeah. it's your motto, you know, for life. What so, about 70s? 70s, uh, my, my, my age uh, is called the sage 70s. Wow. <laughs> because you've lived through life. You, yeah. know? you think you know it all, so you yeah. dispense wisdom for free. Oh, thank like you. What I'm doing now. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, you know what? You know, as you grow older, the one thing that we can't avoid is death. And I am someone who af- who is so afraid of death. Every time, you know, sometimes at night when I close my eyes and I think about death, like I just jerk out of bed, you know, in cold sweats and all that stuff. Do you fear death, Yusuf? Oh, I. Uh as I said, I, uh, I'm ready to go. I just pray that when I go, it's not painful. Really? <laughs> um, yeah, I think uh, my religion tells me that there is life after death. Uh, mm. And um, we shouldn't be, well, I, I shouldn't be talking about what I think about, about, about death. Uh, but I think it's going to be another adventure. Wow. <laughs> I, I need to have that mindset. I think that yeah. I will be able to it's, live life It's something so that's going to be, you know, I'm looking forward to see what's on the other side because I've never met anybody who's gone there and come back and t- told <laughs> Tell us you the what story, it's right? Like. <laughs> yeah, but uh, my religion yeah. tells me what it is. Yeah. So I, I, I think uh, it shouldn't matter, you know, because uh, so long as you, in your life, you follow some basic, Principles, um, honor, honesty, integrity, fear of God, those kind of basic things. And if you follow that, and I think uh, whatever it is, when you go on the other side, you'll be okay. Yeah, I you'll agree. Okay, yeah. I, I also remember you posting about some of your friends. Like you mentioned earlier, like some of your high school friends are no longer around. Um, how does that make you feel seeing yeah. them go? I don't know because uh, I have seven brothers and sisters. Yeah, uh, I was the youngest, and um, all of them are gone. You know, except for one one sister. She's ninety. Oh wow! She's blind from glaucoma, and she's quite deaf. Mm. So she's still around, but difficult to communicate. You know, yeah. because uh, she can't hear and she can she can see. So um, 
the older you you live, uh, the more you see uh, people that you love pass away. You know. Yeah. So imagine if you can live five hundred years, you know, and um, lifespan of everybody is about seventy, eighty, hundred. You know, you are going to see five generations of your loved ones go. Go. You know, your yeah. the worst thing for a for somebody is to see his own child. You know, oh, die before him. You know, I've I've got aunties. Uh, three of her children uh, passed away, and she's still, you know, she's still alive. So can you imagine how terrible it is? My, I've got twenty six uh, classmates. Uh, we yeah. have got a WhatsApp group. Um, Fourteen are gone. Only twelve oh is uh, remain. And uh, last uh, last year, I'm the admin of the group. I met everybody in admin. Yeah, yeah. So uh, <laughs> because the, <laughs> the last, the last admin when uh, when he passed away, Habibur, bless his soul. Um, nobody could change anything oh, no. or add new one or change or whatever. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. So I started a new group, and this time yeah. I put everybody as admin. <laughs> so now the 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 joke amongst us is to uh, see who who is going to be the last man standing. <laughs> Who is going to close this uh, wag? Wow. <laughs> I I never have. I mean, I'm not there yet. But like to hear your stories, uh, I don't know how to how how to process this feeling. Like I I your approach is so lighthearted. Like you can still laugh about it. Meanwhile, here I am, like so afraid of that. Like no, no you know. don't. But yeah, thank you, thank you for that reassurance. The the thing that you as a young person must do. Uh, you're all, most of you, I think your 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 viewers, uh, yeah. probably in their thirties and twenty something, twenty thirties. Okay, the main thing that you need to uh, try and focus on is to live a few years of your life um, in um, in such a way um, that will enable you to live the rest of your life like most people can't. Live a few years of your life like many people won't, so that in the future, in the near future, you can live many more years of your life like most people can't. In other words, you save, accumulate capital, you know, don't consume conspicuous consumption, you know, uh, accumulate capital, invest, yeah, focus on that. Because if you look at your day yesterday, yesterday was Monday, uh, Sunday. Monday. Okay, Monday. You look hey, sorry, at the, Sunday. Today okay, is Sunday. Monday. Okay, look at today. Your pattern of life today, you know, your 24-hour clock. You can see, you spend seven hours sleeping and then you get up in the morning, you go to work and then you come back from work and then you probably have some kind of a dinner and all that. You come back, go back home and you sleep again. Day after tomorrow, your pattern is still the same. And day after tomorrow and after tomorrow is still the same. You must get out of that routine, you know, you must get out of that routine and Focus, because you are the CEO and MD of your life, yeah. your own life. Manage your life. Manage your life and focus time and effort on creating this thing that I call the retirement, the RIP, the Retirement Investment Portfolio. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> that will generate a PIF. Which is? Passive Income Flow. <laughs> that is equal to at least 75% of your LDR. LDR. Which is your last drawn salary. <laughs> <laughs> LDS, sorry. LDS. It means something completely different to us. So, RIP, PIF, yeah. 
LDS. <laughs> Got it. Taking notes. So no, break out break out of that routine, yeah. the circle of routine. For example, if you are a if you work for a for a company, yeah, yeah, you're supposed to work eight hours. Yeah, many of us who have children will send your kids to school and at seven thirty. Yeah. So your office starts at nine, but because you send your kids to school at eight uh, at seven thirty, you have one hour and one and a half hours. So most of you will go straight to work. Yeah. So now you've worked. You're supposed to work for eight hours. So now you work one hour extra in the morning. Then when you come to the time that you have to leave for home, you look out the window. Oh, traffic is bad lah. I think I better wait for another one hour or so. Or it's That's raining, I wait for it to rain, stop raining. So one hour here, you work extra. One hour there, you work extra. It's two hours, you know. Mm. Do you realize two hours over eight is 25% more hours working for which you get no money, no yeah. extra pay? Yeah. Why do you use that two hours to think of how can I make some money for myself? Mm. Right? 25% more hours that you work for the company but they never give you 25% more pay. Guys, take notes. I mean, I've never worked in a corporate company, but I'm sure yeah, a lot I mean, of people, you... I'm, I'm, I'm are, yeah, saying I'm, this to people yeah, who work. You know? I'm sure a lot of them yeah. who are listening have... Because their life is so routine, you know what I mean? Yeah. Send the kids to school, work, yeah. work late, go back yeah. sleep, got, got company dinner, and then take yeah. the time away from family time, go for the dinner, go back sleep. Same thing. Yeah. And because you have a salary at the end of the month, yeah. what happens is that you have no incentive or you're not incentivized to save money because you know end of the month you get the salary. Mm. So this is the biggest danger, you know, because if you don't save, and uh, if you look at the statistics, um, EPF did surveys and they found that most people will finish their EPF funds within two or three years of retirement. Oh, of retirement. So if you don't have a passive income flow, and you're going to finish uh, your your savings yeah. at 68 when you retire at 65. That's why I say the 11 years after 65 is a waiting to die period. Mm. And most people, when you come to that stage, that last stage, the retirement phase of life, uh, they become school bus drivers for their grandkids, babysitters. I mean, surely life is uh, you know is meant for better things. Yeah. Yeah. So if you retire late, that's what happens. And many of them become born-again Christians, born-again Muslims. Mm. Life should be lived. That is the second part or the second life that you have mm. that you have to plan for. So the, the advice is try to shorten the work phase of life yeah. from the normal 42 years if you, if you retire at 65 yeah. to maybe about, in my case, 30 years yeah. by retiring at 53 and then focus, focus on how do you create uh, an investment portfolio that can yeah. give you that income. Yeah. I know what it feels like going to the gym and feel completely clueless and intimidated. I was once there. That's why I started Motion Lab. We're a fitness studio that focuses on small group classes and personal training. Our goal is simple, to help you move better so you can live better. Start your first class for only 49 ringgit today. For more info, go to www.motionlab.live or check us out on IG at MotionLabMY. It's MotionLabMY. A lot of them, especially those who are still in their 20s or probably early 30s, they still feel very lost in life. Like, I don't know what to do in life. I want to switch career, but I'm too scared that, you know, it may not work out and I have to start all over again. 
Any advice for those who are going through that right now? Um, I, I, I don't know. Life, life is good. Life is good. Life is precious. Time is precious. Life is short. You know, you have to live life. You just shouldn't just exist. Because what you're doing by, by being so stuck in your comfort zone, not wanting to go out of your comfort zone, uh, you are actually just existing. existing. You're not living. Living means um, wanting to do the things that you want to do, you know. I mean, the world out there is beautiful. You know, three lifetimes, you will not be able to see all of it, you know. So just try to go out there and see the world while you can, if you can still, you know, <laughs> while you still have your, 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 knees. Your, your, your knees and your health and all yeah. that, you know. So try to, try to focus on that. And also, if you're an employee... I think um, one of the ways in which to um, get more money is to get off the employee trade mill. You have to start working for yourself. Because if you work for a company, they give you a fixed salary. The harder you work, you will not get more money. Right. But if you work for yourself, no matter what it is, you take some risk. Yeah. The harder you work, the more money you can make. Right. And it's all yours. Yeah. And once you have the money... You start a business, you employ people, employ people, the harder they work, the more money you have. Yeah. And once you get a lot of money, you don't work, your money works for you. <laughs> I love that. So get off the employee treadmill if mm. you really want to get rich. Okay. But I think the main the main thing is actually saving. Yeah, like you saving mentioned earlier. Is the most important thing that you you, you need to uh, you know you need to focus your mind on. It's very difficult. It's very difficult because uh, you know we live on some 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 of us, um, and and the most critical thing that you have to be careful about is this credit card. You know, <laughs> this credit card uh, actually <laughs> is a curse. You know, do you have a credit card? I have a few, but I never <laughs> use it. <laughs> but my car, my car is thirty years old. Oh, so I I haven't changed a car, my car for thirty years. Uh. Um, my wife's car is 35 years old. Wow. So uh, it's about time that I changed it because now it's costing more money to yeah, repair maintain it. it. So stop all this conspicuous consumption. You know, you have to save in order to accumulate capital. Yeah. And you need capital in order to generate passive income. Yeah. So you need to live a few years of your life like many people won't, you know. Like you said earlier. Yeah, so that you can then live many years of your future life like most people can't. I love that. I think... That's such a great way to put it. So I hope you guys, you know, took notes. And uh, now we are coming to this section where we will teach you some Gen Z slangs. Or maybe tell you some Gen Z slangs and you just have to guess what it is. Gen Z. Gen, Gen Z. So uh, I am a millennial. He, he, is he a boomer? Baby, baby boomer. boomer yeah. yeah, you're a baby boomer. And then there's the, after boomer is what? Now is a Gen Alpha. Oh, now is a Gen Alpha, yes. But Gen Alphas are still babies, right? So yeah. they can't really walk. They're not in school yet, right? Is, is that correct? Oh, Gen primary X. school already? Oh my Gen, goodness. Now so it's Gen, Gen X, Gen Y. Gen X. So mm. nowadays Gen X have this slang. Like they have their own lingo, their own language. It, what did I say? Sorry, my bad. So these days Gen Z has their own lingo, their own language. And we thought just for fun to get you to... Guess it. Because you do have grandchildren, right? Yep. Uh, any of them Gen Zs? 
Yes. Ah, there you can like communicate yeah. with them then. Okay, so I'm gonna give you a word and you can guess the meaning of it. Keep it short, right? I'll let you know if it's correct or wrong. The first word is slay. 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 Ah. <laughs> Never heard of it. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to guess what it means? You can just give a uh, random throw. Slay, maybe like, relaxing or you know. Okay, I'll give you a word. What's the word? Your outfit is slaying. Oh, okay. Cool. Cool. <laughs> okay. Close. So it means amazing, okay. wonderful, okay. Yeah. gorgeous. You're looking okay. so good, right? You're slaying. Okay, second word. It's giving. <laughs> Never heard of it. Give. Come. <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> How do I describe this one? I'm not a Gen Z. Describe something like yeah, you're trying to describe something. Okay, your look. Yeah, you're giving like a cool grandpa. Like you're giving. Like I'm giving like school teacher. It's giving. No, I've never heard of it. <laughs> never mind. That's the whole point. Behind, That's, behind the, time, yeah. That's yeah. the whole point, okay? Um, okay, this is easy. Spill the tea. Spill the tea. You so spill the tea. Uh, tell, tell. Yeah, I don't think this Say is. Out. That's easy. Right? That's not really. Okay, that's easy. I'll give you an easy one. Okay, this one, this one. Yusuf, you ate, devoured, left no crumbs. Oh, <laughs> you conquer everything. <laughs> <laughs> is that correct? Well, technically, yes, you're correct. So you can go to your grandchildren, say, mm -hmm. what, 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 what's his name, your grandchildren? Um, Grandchild? Well, 15 of them. <laughs> okay, 51 of them. Hey, you. You ate, you devoured, you left no crumbs. They will like <laughs> drop their jaw to the ground. Well, they, they, they trade in uh, ETFs and you wow. know. Wow, okay, are, there so, we go. No. I don't even know this one. Let it cook. Oh, let, let it go. Or, you know. Or, Is that cool? correct? Yeah. Well, trust the process. No, no, no. Let it. Yeah. Let it brew. Yeah, brew, yeah. yeah. I tell you, the Gen Zs these days... They're, they're all, you know... They, no, yeah. I don't understand. I don't, I don't understand them. <laughs> okay. Know, so. One, this one. Ooh, that hits different. Hits different. Hits different. Oh, that <laughs> is cool. <laughs> it's nice. It's good. Huh? I like it. Or Yeah, it is. Yeah. Different from the rest. Okay, last one. Situationship. Situation? Ship. Like, relationship. You replace Situationship. the... Situationship. Yeah. It's all Greek to me. <laughs> really? Oh my god! So you what see, you the think baby is? boomer is, is so far from what was Gen it? Gen Z. Gen Z. Oh. <laughs> Would you want to say a guess? No. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So situationship mm. is something that a lot of youngsters these days get themselves into. It's not a relationship. It's 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 a, it's a situation when yeah. two parties mm. are in in a somewhat of a romantic relationship, but they are not official. They're not actually yeah, they're not okay. actually boyfriend girlfriend, but yeah. they're like doing things that boyfriend girlfriend does, but okay. they don't want to define the relationship. Okay, so, so like like I'm in a situationship. <laughs> like what do I do? You get it? Yep. <laughs> I, I love that. I have no um, you know chance to this kind of a <laughs> <laughs> we'll never know you never know you never know okay thank you thank you for participating that was so fun but I always end the podcast with three questions like you can answer them in either three words or short sentences okay the first question is Yusuf what are you currently head over heels for what are 
What are you currently head over heels for? Oh, I think um, quite a few things, actually. I, mm. uh, if I start from the time I retired, you know, I was in uh, photography. You quit, yeah. the time you quit. I, yeah, when I quit. Right now, I, I, am, I have got 3 million pictures in my hard disk, 80 terabytes, wow. by the way. And uh, I use uh, DaVinci to edit videos. Mm. And uh, I've got the Adobe Suite. Uh, I started using Adobe from uh, from version 3. Wow. Uh, <laughs> which was in the 80s, I think. Uh -huh. So anyway, uh, I am now um, uh, having fun giving this kind of uh, you know, sharing wisdom. Mm. Sage 70s. Love it. Um, I, uh, am, I've written about 15 books. I'm now in the stage of writing about three or four work in progress. There's one book which I'm doing, which is a coffee table book. That is a, I intend to do that as a catalog for a solo exhibition I'm planning to do oh, wow. maybe next year. Let us know when. Last month uh, in August, uh, August is two months ago, I uh, sold six of my pictures on canvas, giant size, about one and a half meters. It's 150,000 wow. for Cancer Research Malaysia. Wow. I've got about 300 pictures of breastfeeding mothers from all over the world, yeah. which I intend to put into a book. Okay. And that book, uh, I will work with the Breastfeeding Association of Malaysia. There was some talk last time, but I, I put it under you know, wraps for a while. So now that I've got a bit more time, mm -hmm. I will uh, finish that, that thing. So uh, I just, I'm just preparing for my next trip to Antarctica and also now thinking for the one next year. So if you want to go next year, you know, I'm going May to... May I join? Yeah, of course. Uh, to How Falklands much do and, I need? Uh, I'll start saving. You see, if you go to any hotels in uh, in Europe or the US, yeah. uh, be prepared to spend about a thousand US a day, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, so on the ship in Antarctica, you've got a five-star hotel. On the yeah, ship? Yeah, you've got five-star meals and uh, wine is free, you know. Okay. So it costs about a thousand dollars US a day. So normally if you go to Antarctica it's about twelve thousand USD. 12 days, yeah. Okay, got it. So I think it's worth it. Next year. There's a lot, yeah. Next year in uh, October. Okay, okay. Yeah. And one in December. Okay. So October is to the Falklands and to South Georgia and yeah. December is in uh, Antarctica. I would love to join actually. Like Come, I was yeah. okay. Okay, okay. We'll and there's a lot it. of young people, you know. Really? On the trip. So I, I organize this for my friends. So that's why right. I, I go so many times, you know. Okay. I don't want to go anymore, but... Uh, but it's but, different when you go with different people every time. Yeah, different people. Yeah. And they say that if you drink ice water, iceberg melt, because I'm on this uh, Zodiac and my water bottle is empty, so I put the bottle out where the ice uh, <sighs> is melting, you know, so I put that and I drink. So they say if you drink iceberg melt, uh -huh. you are condemned to return to Antarctica. No wonder. Over and over and <laughs> over again. <laughs> so don't drink that <laughs> oh my gosh you know what um, I, I need to interrupt this question for a little bit because when you talked about photos it, it reminded me of this one photo that you posted that obviously you took that left an impact an impression on me it was a picture of the back of a cow and a lady putting her head into the backside of a cow do you remember do you yes, know which uh, one I'm talking about uh, do you mind yeah, telling yeah. me the story telling us the story that's why when you uh, you know when you travel you see all these kind of strange uh, practices. Yeah. The Mursis, uh, that's a Mursi lady actually. Uh, 
they gauge their wealth by yeah. cows. So when a cow has a calf, um, uh, a cow normally produces, say, one pail of milk. Yes. But when the cow has a calf, it will stop the flow of the milk and give only about a half a pail. Okay. Um, you know, reserving some for the for the calf. So the Mursis have found that if uh, you blow into the uh, cow's vagina <gasps> and then you, um, you caress the other uh-huh. and then you milk the cow again, you get the full pail. Do they, that, does it actually happen? Yeah, I've seen it. That's why I shot the, the picture and showed it. The, her whole head is in yeah. her vagina. Yeah, but the, the point is, uh, they do not regard the cow as dirty. They use the yes. cow urine to wash their face. And uh, when they have these decorations of you know white thing and paintings and all that, that is ash mixed with fresh cow dung. <gasps> and yeah, so that wow. it will stick. You know? Wow. Do you mind uh, giving sending us a picture so we can like... Yeah. Share it with this yeah, I story because I, I think they need. I can send it to you. Wow! You can go to my Facebook. You know, okay, you we'll can find see it. it. Yeah. I'll find it. Yeah, wow! There, you know? Okay, cool, amazing. Wow. Okay, okay, okay. So yeah, that came to my mind. Anyway, the last two questions. The second one, which is something that a lot of people would love to hear from you as well, the best and worst advice you've ever received in your seventy-eight years of your life. Oh, I, you can pick uh, one of each. I think. Um, I never take any advice from anybody. Ooh, that's a good advice. <laughs> no, that, that's, that's because my right ear is slightly uh, poor in hearing, so I, I cannot hear them. Oh. <laughs> what I hear on this side, you know, I tend not to follow. I, I just do what I think is best for myself. Yeah. So I think that should be the way. People give advice, you know, putting themselves into the situation or the circumstances that you are in. Mm. But only you can decide what is appropriate for you. you know? So people give advice with good intentions. You know? Listen, but do your own thing. Love that. Yeah. Mm. Last one. Three words or sentences to describe your life right now. Three words? Yeah, if you can. You're a great writer. I'm an unemployed Unemployable. Fun employed. Fun employed. (laughs) I love that. Loving it. I'm unemployed, unemployable, and I'm loving it. I love that. (laughs) Oh, wow. Okay. I think that's it for today's episode. Yusuf, Mm. is there anything else you would love to share? One final piece of advice for the youngsters who are listening right now before we call this a day? I think a bit of advice. um, Live life. Don't exist. Don't just exist. Live life. You know, life is short. Time is precious. Live life. Don't just exist. Okay. And, uh, you know, for those billionaires out there, billionaires, you know, spend your money because your money is not your money. Until you spend it. Until you spend it. When you finish it, what happens? Yeah. Move into your kid's home. <laughs> oh my god oh my god <laughs> I got it all planned out <laughs> and that's why you have four kids yeah, yes <laughs> one after another <laughs> alright Yusuf thank you so much for your time today thank I you. had such a good time just sitting here listening to your life stories I really appreciate it and I hope you can come back for part two someday yeah and Pleasure. I would love to join you for your Antarctica trip next Do year come. Yes, I'll talk to you about it. But yes, with that, like I always say, don't forget to fall head over heels for yourself first and always. And I'll see you guys in the next episode. Bye. Bye.
I know what it feels like going to the gym and feel completely clueless and intimidated. I was once there. That's why I started Motion Lab. We're a fitness studio that focuses on small group classes and personal training. Our goal is simple, to help you move better so you can live better. Start your first class for only 49 ringgit today. For more info, go to www.motionlab.live or check us out on IG at MotionLabMY. It's MotionLabMY.